Welcome to the Shot Side Podcast. Uh, you're listening to episode 54, dealing with the NBA playoffs, round one. Speaking of round one, if you've watched the first handful of games, you can um, really tell just how much the intensity has changed from just the regular season um, to now in, you know, the game one of the playoffs. So um, it's an exciting time, and I, I think we're all kind of ready for playoffs to get underway and um, see who comes out on top. But um Joining me today is Adam and Matt. Uh, how you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Doing great. Go Wolves. Yeah, I mentioned, you know, it's an exciting time now, but, I mean, it's exciting for just sports fans in general. I mean, NHL playoffs are starting up. You got, we just had the Masters for the golf. Uh, NFL draft is coming soon. MLB season just got underway. And now we got the NBA playoffs with basketball. So um, today we're going to start off by talking just about Saturday's games. Uh, you know, uh, starting off, 76ers uh, and Nets are uh, that game. Uh, I think it was, what was it, 121 to 101, uh, Philly won. Uh, what did you guys take away from that game? Uh, you know, my biggest takeaway was just that. The Nets really don't have the the size to compete with Embiid down low. Um, I mean, they they threw a couple different looks at him in the first half, and it was working like okay. Um, but throughout the majority of the game, he just wore him down, got to the free throw line, um, and that was a big part of extending the lead. I think Embiid was 11-11 from the free throw line. Um, just pretty dominant game by him. Um, the Nets actually didn't even play that bad. They just um, didn't have really the firepower to keep up with Philly in this one. Um, yeah, those are my initial thoughts on it. Yeah, I thought I thought the big thing was the uh, turnover battle. We had uh, the Nets having 19 turnovers in the whole game, which is pretty crazy. And then Sixers only had eight. So... I think that was a big factor, and then obviously have the Nets having really no one to to uh, cover Embiid or Harden during that game. Yeah, I, I mean, so starting off, you know, you know, Matt mentioned size was a big factor in this one. You had Claxton for the Nets as your center, so I, I think the Nets try to just do. The smart move, which was double and beat most of the game, which led to, you know, a ton of wide open threes for Philly. You know, they went 21 of 43 from three, which um, you make over 20 threes. Your chances of winning a game are, are pretty likely. Um, you know, Brooklyn's just in a tough spot with the size that they have. And, you know, going forward, it, it, it's going to be tough having to guard future MVP and beat. Um, you're going to have to double him. Uh, they're going to have to kind of work in times where, you know, maybe his back is to the basket uh, and then with that quick um, double team. But I think the thing you saw later in the games is they were having troubles trying to rotate on movements. MB would catch the ball and then quickly, you know, decide if he wants to make a move or pass the ball to one of James Harden or, or Tyrese Maxey. And I think those guys made the right plays and get, that's how they got so many wide open threes. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, anytime you shoot 48% from three and have only eight turnovers, you're going to have a pretty good game. Um, I think 
going forward, I'd pretty much expect something similar unless um, somehow the Nets players grow a few inches over the next couple of days. <laughs> um, they even tried playing De'Aaron Sharp a little bit um, just for some ad size in there. Um, and, I mean, it went okay. He, he, he didn't have that, that bad of a game, but he also added to the 19 turnovers by having two of them. Um, so it really just... I mean, the, the biggest thing, too, like like Adam was saying with the turnover, is like anytime you turn it over 19 times, it's it's going to be a tough to overcome that when the other team only has eight turnovers uh, plus 11 differential. Um, honestly, that's, that's kind of the game right there. Like it, if you're not hitting, hitting threes at a high rate, you can't really overcome that many turnovers, um, especially when you only hit, have 13 threes. Um, in today's NBA, you need to be able to hit a bunch of threes, um, especially against a team like Philly that can score a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I I think they'll they'll put up a better fight in future games, maybe. But I still this we might be looking at getting the brooms out for this series. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's exactly what I'm thinking. I mean, we we're just seeing like a powerhouse in Philadelphia going up against a slightly above average team in the Nets and I don't see really anything really changing I mean at most I see the Nets if they're really lucky and if they're shooting the lights out not turning the ball over they can maybe win a game but that's a a huge if so I'm not I'm not really positive on the Nets right now yeah, and, you know, if I'm Coach Vaughn for the Nets, that's something that I have to go over with my team come game two and forward, you know, in this series is we got to look at some of these 19 turnovers that we had um, and try to figure out how we can protect the ball a little bit more and then also get, you know, players like Dinwiddie and Claxton going to help out Mikel Bridges, who I thought Bridges was, Bridges was phenomenal in his first uh, playoff game with the Nets. You know, 30 points. Uh, he was pretty much doing it all for Brooklyn there in the first half that kept them in the game. Uh, what did you guys see from, from Bridges, and then what happened in that second half? Was it more just what Philly did or just um, a lack of help from uh, Bridges' teammates? Yeah, I think you said it best there. Um, just not a ton of help behind him. I mean, he was actually super efficient too, 12 for 18, uh, 2 for 4 from 3, 4 for 4 from free throw. Um, so that's a pretty darn efficient 30 points there. Um, it really just came down to the others. Like um, the second high score was Cam Johnson with 18, and then Dinwiddie had a pretty bad game overall. Um, four turnovers, 5 and 12 from the field, 14 points. Um, and really off the bench, they didn't really get much help at all outside of Seth Curry. Um, a few points here and there, but I mean, a lot of the bench points came when the game was already put away. Um, so in future games, they're going to need the bench to step up more. Um, but yeah, I was impressed with Bridges. Honestly, I thought, I thought Bridges had a a great playoff debut. Yeah. Um, you know, for Philly who Philly is the favorite in this series. And, you know, I think most people have them winning either four, zero, four, one, four, two, somewhere around that range. But, um, you know, I mentioned Joel Embiid got double team most of the game, but, I think the big factor was James Harden, who I thought might have some issues coming back from that bad ankle. Uh, he didn't look hampered at all, posting 23 points, 13 assists, made seven threes in that game, and um, 
was Philly's best plus minus at plus 20. Um, so uh, I loved what I saw out of James Harden in this game one. Can he continue to do this? Um, I think he can against Brooklyn, especially in this first round matchup. But uh, if he can get his feet, you know, going and under him and uh, lead him into that second series against whoever it might be, whether it's, you know, Boston, probably Boston, right? So um, a lot tougher matchup coming, you know, in the second series. But uh, good to see James Harden getting going. Yeah. Well, I mean, one surprising thing about Harden, too, in this game was that he didn't take a single free throw, which for, for Harden is um, not the usual. He normally gets to the line a lot. So um, it, it, this is definitely nice to see him come back like this and be strong. 13 assists. I think that was a game high, too. So, I mean, anytime uh, you can contribute in to it more than one way than just scoring an assistant, um, it's always a plus. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Um, Moving on to the next game uh, on Saturday night. I believe it was the 5 o'clock game. Uh, Hawks ended up falling to the Celtics 112-99. For me, this game was kind of a snoozer. I kind of just saw Celtics get out to an early lead. I think they were up at, um, you know, after the the break, they were up 84-52 to with like eight minutes left in the third quarter. Um, I kind of just shut off the game at that point. I went to go see the new Super Mario Bros. movie, which for me was a, ton, a lot better than watching the rest of that game. Um, what'd you, what were your guys' thoughts just on this uh, Hawks-Celtics game one? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it yourself. It was, uh, it was a snoozer. I mean, we didn't really see much from uh, Trey Young. I think he, he only posted 16 points, 5 of 18 shooting, one for, 1 for 5 from 3. So pretty poor performance coming off of the playing game from them. So, I mean, I didn't really see one person besides Murray actually look decent on the Hawks. And then you look over on the, on the Boston Celtics side. They did what they always do throughout the whole regular season against these smaller teams. So I, we all expected a big game from Boston, and that's exactly what we saw. Yeah, I mean, this it ended up only being a 13-point game, but uh, the Celtics jumped them from the start. Um, they got back into it a little bit late in the second half, but, I mean, this was really never a game from the second quarter on. The Celtics just played tremendous defense, um, just gave them absolute problems in the first half. Um I think there was a point where they went on a 15-0 run in the second quarter. Um, and after that, the Hawks pretty much, uh, you know, flew down from the sky and <laughs> just <laughs> lay, lay dead. Um, but the, really, the, the big thing for the Hawks is, like, they, they didn't get really anything from their bench in this game. They, their bench combined 8 for 30 from the field, which is absolutely terrible. Um, 0 for 4 for a Kung Wu. Um, they combined for um, three turnovers, too. I mean, the, the turnovers weren't really even that bad for them in this game, but it was more just no. uh, the, the terrible shooting. I mean, 17% from three, that's awful. I mean, uh, you can't even look at yourself in the mirror after that game uh, <laughs> when you shoot that bad. Um, but this, I mean, this Celtics team, they, they have a lot of good defenders on their team, and they make yeah. they make it really tough for perimeter players, especially like Trey Young. Um, getting good looks, um, 
Even Murray, he had 24 points, but it came at a cost. He was 10 for 25, 0 for 6 from 3. So they make it tough for these guys, and I think we're going to see a lot of that throughout the series of um, seeing if the Hawks can overcome that defensive pressure of the Celtics and maybe steal a game or something like that. Yeah, you really got to credit, you know, Boston's defense. They've been top five this entire year, and uh, they showed it in this game one. Uh, wire-to-wire finish. Uh, I think the main thing was for Boston was the trio between Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Derek White. All three of them poured in 78 points. Uh, even Rob Williams was perfect off the bench, 6-6, six of six, 12 points, 8 boards, and 2 stocks uh, coming off that bench. And I think limited minutes, too. I believe it was like... 26 minutes, something like that. So 22 minutes, even less. So, um, I mean, Boston had 13 more boards than Atlanta. I think that was a big part is they got on the glass. Um, also, Atlanta missed a lot of shots. You know, Boston shot 48% from the field, 40% from the arc. Uh, big momentum going into Tuesday's night game two. Uh, talking about Atlanta a little bit here. Uh, the defense, rebounding, three-point shooting, all was terrible in this first game one. Uh, if you want some hope for Atlanta, though, uh, you could say on a shorter rest after you know that play-in game where they beat a tough team like Miami on the road, plus having to take another road trip up to Boston, uh, could have been the main reason of a slow start to game one and an unsurmountable you know, large lead that they couldn't really break free of and, and come back in that loss. But... Um, if you are to get back, you know, playing Atlanta basketball, it has to start with Trey Young scoring the ball. He's got to be able to find teammates like Bogdanovich, Collins, Capella, Bay, um, all of those role players for Atlanta um, with help of, you know, secondary playmaker DeJounte Murray. So um, trying to get all these guys back to playing the way that they did in that play against Miami is going to be, you know, a good kind of starting point and, you know, maybe have a little bit better start than this game one. Yeah, I, I don't know if we have too much to look forward to in Atlanta. I mean, we pretty much saw what, they, what they're going to be capable of. I mean, I, I can expect Trey Young to maybe come back and, you know, have a couple good, better games moving forward, but going up against that great Boston defense and the way that they can shoot, especially having Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Derek White now has been playing out of his mind, especially to end the season off. So I I just don't see... Honestly, I see a sweep. I think that's what I predicted. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't see much coming from Atlanta here. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think the only bright spot for Atlanta would be that the Celtics bench was also not that great outside of Robert Williams. Um, Brogdon struggled in this one, and really they only played three people off the bench, which Grant Williams didn't play at all. Blake Griffin didn't play at all. I believe Pritchard's hurt still. Um, but that's, that's playoff basketball, though. Like, you're going to shorten up your bench a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, usually you don't shorten it to only seven players, though. Like, uh, we saw Grant Williams play more last year. Um, but I think it's just right. matchups for them. And, I mean, when you're starting lineups cooking, like, the way they were, um, I mean, you can't blame them for playing them so many minutes. Um, uh, 
I mean, just overall, I think that the Celtics do rely on their starters, but at the same time, when your starters are young like that, like it, not outside of Al Horford, like it doesn't really matter playing them a ton of minutes. Um, they can handle it. I think it's more you'd just like to see more out of like somebody like Brogdon. He's one for six, zero for three from three. Um, you'd like to see him add a little bit from the bench just to give those guys a break um, at times. But, I mean, overall, I think the Celtics, I mean, it's their series to take if they want it. <laughs> yeah, I, but, like, so you mentioned, like, you know, they didn't have a lot of bench help. Are you worried about, like, any fatigue with Boston, like, playing too many minutes from their starters? Maybe not this round of the playoffs, but maybe future rounds. Yeah, I'm de- definitely not, like, too worried this round, but that that's a little bit why I mentioned it is just, like, in future rounds. I, I think the bench will matter more in future rounds just because – um, I'm not really sure why they didn't play Grant Williams. They just didn't need him. Just maybe matchup-wise um, was why they didn't play him. Because um, they even played Hauser over him, which is interesting. But um, I think in the future, they're going to need their bench to step up a little more, even if it just ends up being like Robert Williams and Brogdon being the only bench guys. Like Those guys need to have good games, which I think they will. I think... We could even see Robert Williams slip into the starting lineup depending on the matchup. Um, the Hawks aren't the biggest team in the world either. Um, they were able to play Capella off the floor at certain times too because they would go with that small ball lineup with Horford at center. Um, but yeah, I mean, that could be a concern in the future, I think. That, that was part of why I thought um, Atlanta came back a little bit. I mean, they won the second half by um, 17 points, so... They, they did play better in the second half as the game went on, but at a certain point, when you're up by 30, there's probably a, a little bit of a ease easing up a little bit on them. So, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm sure Boston was kind of just you know pumping the brakes a little bit after that halftime. You know, being up 30, it's like they're pretty much on vacation here. They're taking <laughs> these games. They're just just they're just chilling, you know. And this is like a series where Boston can actually just relax. They don't need to do anything crazy. If they want to lose a game, whatever. Like <laughs> they probably don't want to. They kind of they probably want that you know extra game or two rest coming with a with a sweep, which they probably want. That's probably why they're playing their starters a lot of minutes to start this uh, series off. Because if they can get a sweep, that extra you know couple days rest. That's only going to benefit them further down the road in the playoffs, especially when they play powerhouse team like Milwaukee, potentially in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree that they would be okay with maybe losing a game, but it it would help if you you know sweep this series and have some days off to kind of rest for your next opponent. That'll help with you know fatigue a little bit, but. Um, the last two games from Saturday were probably the most entertaining of the night, um, and you know probably have a good chance of being the two best series from either both conferences with you know the Knicks and Cavs and Warriors and and Kings. Uh, starting off with Knicks and and Cavs, Knicks pulled off the first upset of the playoffs, beating the Cavaliers one hundred one to ninety seven. Um, you know the storyline around the series. You know, me and Matt talked about it a little bit on on the previous podcast, but it was, you know, did the Knicks make the right decision of not signing Donovan Mitchell? And would Brunson step up as that number one slash number two option come playoffs? And then 
you know, we saw in game one, the Knicks, you know, Knicks and Brunson got the best of Cavs and, and Donovan Mitchell. And I guess my question is to you guys, do you guys believe the Knicks have a real shot of upsetting the Cleveland Cavaliers, especially with Donovan Mitchell having a, the great game that he did with 38 points? A hundred percent. I can definitely see New York possibly upsetting Cleveland Cavaliers in this series. I mean, we got to see the Vill- Villanova boys and uh, Brunson and, and Hart actually literally just go off. Like, they had unbelievable chemistry, and they kind of led this New York team to the win. And besides Donovan Mitchell putting up the 38 on Cleveland, we saw Evan Mobley shoot 4 for 13. Wasn't the best game for him. I mean, he had 11 boards and all that. But And then Garland... He didn't really show his superstardom. I didn't see him actually come out and take over when Donovan Mitchell was off the floor. So I kind of want to see a little bit more from him. But besides everything else, I think this is going to be an un- like probably one of the best series we've mentioned before in the first round. So I- I'm excited to see what future games are going to look like because this is going to be a battle to probably Game 7. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I, I'm still rolling with the Cavs. I, I think the Cavs will still pull it out. Um, but the Knicks, I mean, they absolutely do have a chance. I think both these teams are pretty even across the board. They match up well against each other. Um, I think for the Cavs, I mean, you definitely have to expect more out of Mobley. That is an embarrassing performance in the playoffs. Um, only eight points. Um, and even on, on defense, like no blocks, one steal like you, you gotta expect more out of that from Evan Mobley um and, and you need more from that out of Evan Mobley if you're gonna do well in this series because um he's supposed to be one of your young building blocks and you expect more from him um and then same with Darius Garland Darius Garland had a great first half but then the second half he was way too passive he he can't just defer to Donovan Mitchell all second half long He's got to take some shots, especially in the fourth quarter. I don't think he took a single shot in the fourth quarter. Um, that has to change if they're going to do better in this series. Um, and then defensively, um, in addition to Mobley playing better, I think they might need to look at some, somebody else on Brunson. They were trying to put uh, Seti Osman on him um, at the end of the game there. Chetty. Or Chetty. Um, and... It just wasn't working. I mean, he was uh, putting Osmond in a blender, um, had multiple plays where he just ISOed on him and then got the angle on him, got to the basket. He's quicker than Osmond. Um, and that's really what it came down to. Um, I mean, Jared Allen, really, like, that's kind of what you expect out of him, 14-14, uh, double-double. Yeah, he, he was fine. Um, Okoro, I mean, obviously you'd like him to hit at least one three, but – I mean, you def- definitely just can't expect it from Okoro. That's just the player he is. He's good on defense, though. It'd be nice um, to have Laurie Markin instead of Okoro, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and just just think how good this Knicks team would be with Donovan Mitchell instead of uh, R.J. Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> be, be a pretty crazy team. But uh, on the Knicks side, kind of hyping them up a little bit, uh, Josh Hart looked fantastic in this game. He played such a good game, um, both offensively and defensively. He was just giving them problems. And 
Um, he's a big reason why their their bench did pretty good. Um, and even even uh, Hartenstein gave him good minutes off the bench there was a couple times. Where he took him down into the post and made a little floaters over uh, even um, uh, Jared Allen. I was having a brain fart for a second. But, <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but, yeah, I, this was actually a really good game. I watched um, pretty much the whole game from start to finish. It was a great game. Yeah, same here. Um, I think the big thing that I was looking at was, you know, coming into this game, we weren't sure if Randall was even going to play or if he was going to be on minutes restriction or what the deal was going to be. Um, so when I heard that he was going to play this game, I thought for sure, like Mobley, you Mobley's got to be dominant in this game. Um, that's the main matchup I'm looking at in this series. Um, obviously, you're going to look at the stars and. You know, the Garland-Brunson matchup, Donovan Mitchell, you know, that those stars. But I think the key to, you know, this series is going to be kind of hanged around that Mobley-Randall matchup. And I feel like whoever has the better game during that, that uh, in this series um, might pull out, you know, the series overall. I personally have the Cavs in seven. Um, I think, you know, Cleveland might... I, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to get him two. If they lose game two, I think New York's going to win this. But um, I, I think they're going to get game two, and, and this is going to be a long series. So, um, you know, you talked about R.J. Barrett a little bit. He struggled game one. Didn't really matter because, you know, Nick's got some quality help from Josh Hart off the bench. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, I would compare it to Boston as well. They only had three people the Knicks come off their bench pretty much uh, I guess you could put in um, um, well it would be Josh Hart quickly Hartenstein and then who was the other one that, and, and Obi Toppin who actually played a little decently there for I think he only played like 10 9 10 minutes or something 14 minutes okay yeah um, I mean in game one you kind of saw just you know Josh Hart provided a spark, you know, off the bench, um, especially with RJ and Grimes kind of struggling to start off in that starting lineup. Um, Cavs bench was 37, or they scored set 37 points this first game compared to Cleveland's 14. I think that was a big uh, impact in this game, especially in a four-point game. Um, what did you guys think of just the bench uh, for for New York? I mean, that's what overall won New York the game was their bench points. And, I mean, Josh Hart. Josh Hart absolutely killed it off the bench for them. And then you look at what Cleveland did off the bench. I mean, their high point man off the bench was Chetty Osman with nine points. Other than that, Levert shot one for seven. Rubio, 0 for one. Wade, 0 for one. You didn't really see much of anybody shooting off the bench for Cleveland. It was just their starters. Their starters were sh- just shooting every shot that they could. So I, I believe that New York played more of the team basketball, and that's what ended up winning them the game. And when it comes down to later in the series, I think it all comes down to whose bench is going to come out and perform when the starters are struggling. And I think New York has that better bench and that more more connected bench. And I think that they can come off and uh, win a couple games for New York. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, also Tom Thibodeau, I think, did a great job coaching this game one. Um, the defense was pretty damn good besides, you know, Donovan Mitchell, but there's not much you can do with a, a great score like Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and I thought just, like, the, the hustle of the Knicks was better in this game. I thought, like, um, it was a two-point game at the end of the game there. Um, Brunson missed a shot, and then they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley on the court, and they can't box out Julius Randle, and he gets the offensive rebound. Right. And those are just backbreakers for a team. You, and really, those come down to hustle, like who wants it more, and Randle wanted it more in that moment. Yeah, and even a guy that I was shitting on even before the start of the season was Isaiah Hartenstein. He played <laughs> phenomenal on the boards, yeah. too. That's your guy, man. I mean, he was he was phenomenal on the boards. I thought this game, I might have to change my opinion about him. <laughs> oh yeah, he. I mean, he himself had two offensive rebounds. Josh Hart had five offensive rebounds. Um, offensive Damn. rebounds are pretty pretty huge. They're 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 the type of stats that win you games, um, especially in the postseason. Changes momentum too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, for the Cavs, I mean, the Cavs are going to need something out of their bench. Um, Everybody played super high minutes. Their starters, besides Okoro, um, they played even lighter than the, the Celtics did off the bench. Um, only 18 and 19 minutes for uh, uh, Osmond and LeBert. Um, Rubio and Wade barely played. They didn't play in the second half. They played six and seven minutes. Um, they just need some type of scoring off the bench besides um Osmond I mean he had nine points but still like when the bench's out scoring you 35-14 I mean that's the game right there it was a four-point win um when your bench can only score 14. Right and we just got done I know we just got done watching the Heat beat the Bucks uh we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show but this is where you could have used a guy like Kevin Love who was on your bench to just kind of be a spark you know three-point shooter which Against a New York team that doesn't let up a lot of threes, it's nice to have like a, a pull-out four guy that can you know do pick and rolls and pop uh, and give you get some wide open shots. Um, we saw it in this uh, Miami game, and uh, Kevin Love looked pretty good on the boards. He looked like I think he drew like two or three charges as well. So um, yeah, they're they're really struggling to find some bench help, and um, I mean if it's not coming from the starters i don't know if they're if donovan mitchell is going to get the help he needs yeah i mean exactly that this is why you you trade for people at the deadline like nicks the knicks did too like getting josh hart was a huge pickup the the Cavs didn't add anybody they just lost kevin love um who obviously it loves not not a good defender at this point in his career but he's somebody that can knock down some shots and just knows the, the moment of the playoffs just how big it is um I don't know if you would have saved him in that game or not, but we're definitely going to need more out of Evan Mobley, um, their bench. Uh, Otherwise, the Knicks, uh, I mean, Knickerbockers might be going to the second round if that doesn't happen. I know. (laughs) I know New York fans would be happy with that. But uh, the last game on uh, Saturday night was between the Warriors and Kings, which uh, the two put up 249 combined points uh, in this one. We saw all the stars had their moments at certain times, but I guess my question to you guys is, do you guys think uh, this was a must-win for the Kings in a nail-biting 126-123 victory? Yeah, this was a, a really fun game to watch. We, This is, like, 
what every NBA fan wants to watch. Just a shit ton of scoring, and that's exactly what we got out of this game. We got to see Steph Curry light it up with 30 points, 6 of 14 from 3. We saw Klay Thompson splash. We saw the Splash Bros in full effect right here, first game. But I'm honestly, I thought that the Kings were going to take this game. But from now on, like I, I think Golden State is going to show us why that they're the defending champs and that they want that. They want another championship. They're not done here. <laughs> but I still really liked what I saw out of the Kings and De'Aaron Fox absolutely killed it with 38 points. Shot he shot pretty decent, 13 of 27 as well, four of eight. That's exactly what you want to see out of your superstar on on the Kings. I honestly thought that Sabonis had a subpar game. I mean, he did all right. He he put up 12 points, 16 boards, and that's why that's what you want Sabonis for. You want him for the boards, clean up the glass, kick it out to your shooters like De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk and. Trey, Trey Lyles actually had a decent game off the bench. 16 points, 18 minutes. I think he only missed two shots as well. So I really liked what I saw off both both teams. And just like the, uh, the Cleveland and New York series, I'm super excited to see what the outcome is going to be with this series. Because honestly, you could see either team come out on top. And it's just going to be exciting to see. How many games? Who who do you have won in this series, and in how many games? We'll we'll post this on our, our on our Instagram as well, and probably Facebook. We'll let you guys know what our picks are for the playoffs. But uh, just curious on what you have for this series. Me personally, I've got I've got Golden State taking this in six games, so I can definitely see uh, the Kings taking one more game, but. I think the experience of Golden State is really going to take over the series, especially them being defending champs and all, you know. <laughs> it's a new year, though. Matt, do you have the same faith in the Warriors that Adam does, or are you feeling a little bit different after this Game 1 win for the Kings? Yeah, I'm not not, not too wavered about it at all. I think uh, this is the first playoff game for the Kings in 18 years. Um, they had a parade outside, like they won the championship before the game. Um, so I, I figured they'd come out strong. I thought they'd, uh, the crowd was super into it. They were really loud there um, for that game. They kicked E40 out of the game, too. Um, that was a bit, big blow to the the Warriors. Um, ho- hopefully, for uh, the Kings, though. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they straighten that out for next game. Um, well, you won't see it in game three or four. Yeah, oh, you definitely won't. There'll be no Kings fans, though. That's true. Uh, I think the Warriors will be fine if they can win next game. I think, uh, I mean, they they put themselves in in positions to win this game even. Um, They just missed a couple wide-open threes. Um, Wiggins got a good look at a three. Kaminga got a good look at a three at the end of the game. Uh, And they just couldn't put it in. But I think... um, with Wiggins being his first game back, I think he'll be a little bit more sharp um, the more he gets into it. I think you kind of saw like how well he was playing in the first half when he still had his legs, and then when his legs were starting to um, you know, kind of get tired towards the second half with that being his – I think it was his first game like, what, like two and a half months even. Um, 
that's pretty tough. But I think you could see the impact he has on them, though, defensively. He made some big-time plays in the first half and third quarter um, that I think will be the difference in this series, um, plays like that. And then we even saw in this game, too, like how quickly the Warriors can come back in games. They got down by, like, um, 10 at one point, too, I think, in the, the fourth quarter. And then Clay came in and hit three threes in a row at one point and instantly it's a tie game then um so i just think that uh, this is going to be a great game this uh, this is why or a great series this is why i think um this game was better than the cleveland and uh new york game is because there's tons of points in this game yeah um the other one was kind of a defensive stalemate and this was just points galore uh malink bunk monk was playing out of his freaking mind he was hitting yeah 32 crazy shots taking people off the dribble to get into the cup shot 14 free throws um which definitely isn't common from malik monk um darren fox was absolutely cooking um there's one like vi- viral clip of a, a little kid on the sidelines saying that uh darren fox put 40 on a <laughs> curry's head and he was just chirping at curry from the sidelines which is pretty funny um hopefully curry curry takes that to heart and um not that oh, he had, not, a not that he had a bad game, but hopefully he comes back and plays uh, even better, like the Finals MVP Curry we saw last year. Um, but I, I think they'll be fine. I thought um, Sponis was getting absolutely clamped by Draymond. He was he had him in fits in that matchup. Um, and then, really, I thought the biggest thing was Trey Lyles. Like the the Warriors had no answer for him off the bench because they tried going small. Um, and you really you can't go when you have Alex Len and Trey Lyles out there at the same time you have to have somebody a little bigger in there so I think maybe they'll have Kaminga in during those minutes if Draymond's going to be off the floor because um, you can't have five guards out there when there's a seven footer and then what's Trey Lyle like 6'10 too or something like that uh, I want to say like 6'8 six, 6'9 six, yeah I mean it's still way too much size for when you have five guards out there um but I thought, like, whenever Draymond, Looney, Wiggins, Clay, and Curry were all out there together, I thought the Warriors looked like a championship squad. Um, and he, I mean, you could even put Poole out there at times, too. But he he's a, had a rough game defensively, um, especially with, like, um, when he was on Fox and Malik Monk. He, he was having a tough time keeping up. That's why he didn't play too much in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, uh, this, this is going to be a good series. Yeah, I mean Matt. Uh, Matt well, Matt went on a little spiel there. Yeah, went on, uh, went on a rant there, but it was a good game. <laughs> Got me pumped. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't. I won't talk that much about the Warriors because you kind of, you know, yeah. put a lot of that in there. But, Wrote a novel on them. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say about the Warriors is just, you know, we know they're terrible on the road. You know, they have issues on the road. Um, we saw it in this first game. Will it happen in the second game? I don't know. Playoffs are totally different too. They've been here before. Uh, speaking from Sacramento's side of things, though, um, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, not only that Sacramento got the win, but even after the game, seeing De'Aaron Fox light the beam, I thought that was pretty cool. Being the first Kings player to light the beam in their first playoff win in almost like what sixteen years, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't believe, you know, can they do this 
moving forward in the series against a team, a championship team like Golden State. It's going to be really tough. I ha- I mean, I told you I have Warriors in seven, but um, if they can take both these two games at home, I think that's huge. Um, De'Aaron Fox looked incredible from mid-range, attacking the basket from three, uh, which is probably his weak spot from the three-point arc, but he's shown his improvement from beyond the arc this year and is show- you know showed it in this game one. Adam said he went four of eight from three, which is um, more than you can ask from De'Aaron Fox. Um, especially from a guy that you know didn't come into this league being a high-volume three-point shooter or even a consistent three-point shooter. And then you had Malik Monk, his, his um, you know, partner in crime there at Kentucky, backcourt star, um, dropped 32 for the Kings as well. Monk was super aggressive, uh, got to the line great in this game, went 14-14 from the line. Now, can you see that happening on a game-to-game basis? <laughs> Probably not, but it's still good to see that Malik Monk's attacking the basket, getting foul calls, um, especially with, you know, Matt said Sabonis struggling with Draymond Green guarding him. So um, you have to draw some fouls on these Golden State Warriors players if you want to have a chance to have, you know, players like Steph Curry, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins even, you know, sitting on the on the bench with, you know, three, four fouls so that you can get some um, some runs off with those guys off the court. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen the growth with Monk um, with the Lakers, you know, last year. And now I, I think, you know, the Kings are liking what they're getting out of him, especially uh, next to De'Aaron Fox. But um, uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back from the break, we will talk about uh, Sunday's games. Um, so we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Shot the Side podcast. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Sunday's games. Not too much, just because we are doing this podcast on Sunday. Of course, you guys will notice that it's coming out on Monday, just because it takes a little time to edit it. Um, but the two games that have finished, Lakers-Grizzlies. Lakers beat the Grizzlies 128-112. to 112, And the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a shocker. So two more upsets um, to start off Sunday. Um, and then as we're watching right now, Clippers are tied with Phoenix 81 all, it looks like, at the end of the third quarter, as long as Jock Landell, yep, he missed the shot. So it'll be tied 81 at all going into the fourth quarter. Uh, by the time you, this comes out, you guys will know who wins the Clippers-Suns game and the Timberwolves-Nuggets game. But starting off with the Lakers-Grizzlies game, um, start off with Adam. Um Actually, I'll just open it up to you guys, whoever wants to talk first. But um, what did you guys see from this game? Um, obviously, big injury with Ja Morant. But uh, did you? Wh- what did you see in this game that kind of either surprised you or that you weren't necessarily expecting? Yeah, that would be uh, Mr. Austin Reeves. Or as uh... Oh, no, no, no. I mean, both, both Rui and Austin Reeves absolutely carried the Lakers. I mean, you would have thought that, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James would be, would, would be the stars there, but that definitely was not the case for this game. And I loved what I saw out of Austin Reeves. I mean, what's your nickname for him, Alex? Austin, pa- Austin Powers? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, the Lakers played a great game. They kind of, they definitely surprised everybody. Um, 
also, I mean, we we saw John Morant go down with injuries, so that was also a big factor in them winning this this game. I, I didn't really see too much off the bench for Memphis in this game. I mean, we saw Jaron Jackson go off for 31. Desmond Bain at 22, but he definitely quieted off in the uh, in the fourth quarter. He didn't. We didn't really see too much out of him. But uh, obviously, it was definitely came down to bench points again. We didn't see much out of Memphis, and we saw 29 out of Rui off the bench for the Lakers. So that's that was huge, and and I, that's definitely why we saw LA take this game, and. Depending on what we we hear from John Morant and if, if he's going to be playing game two or game three, this definitely could affect the rest of this, the series and it may sway towards L.A. And I, I'm not liking that, but that's the way things are going to be swaying. It looks like if, if John Morant is out for an ex- extended period of time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think... Uh... The health status of John Moran is definitely uh, important to this, uh, how the series ends up going. But um, just in this game, I mean, Rui and uh, Austin Reeves, I mean, man, they played incredible games. Uh, combined for 52 points. Um, I mean, they're a big part of why they went on a 15-0 run to close the game, too. Um, especially Austin Reeves. He was absolutely cooking in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think... It, I don't think they can get it out of them, uh, out of Hachimura every game, but I do think um, Austin Reeves can play at a high level every game, and I mean he really has over the last two months. Um, he doesn't always score twenty or twenty three points a game, but he uh, he uh, contributes in other ways. He's a smart defender, off the ball, uh, decent on the ball, but um, just a great passer. He had a, that nasty behind the back pass to Hachimura. Um, yeah, <laughs> just a great pass there. Um, great setup. And then the, the stars, I mean, Le- LeBron James, I mean, he had a decent game. Um, double, double 21, 11. Um, he played pretty good defensively though. Three blocks, two steals. Um, but really, uh, uh AD's defense was just incredible in this game. 20, 22 points, 7 blocks, 3 steals, 12 rebounds. Just an absolute monster game out of AD defensively. Um, 10 stocks. Yeah, and he was really giving them just problems uh, coming down the lane. Like That that was the play that Ja got hurt on, actually, too. Was uh, He tried, <laughs> tried testing AD for some, some reason, um, and he hit the AD wall. Um, and hurt hurt his hurt his uh, wrist or hand. I couldn't really tell. And, and got called for a charge too. Yeah, and got charged. I mean, it was a nice play by AD. Um, but yeah, he was just giving them all sorts of problems down low. Um, Jaron Jackson did have a good game though. Um, not not necessarily on AD, but anybody else, he was having a good game on. Um, and that's who they're going to need to step up. At. Um, continuously throughout the series if John's out. Uh, same with Tyus Jones. Um, Desmond Bain as well. Yeah, I just think it's uh, like Tyus is probably going to be the biggest one just because that's who would be replacing Ja um, for those minutes. If and We're not even saying that Ja will for sure be out. We don't really know yet. Um, it says he's questionable ja, as of right now. Ja said he his hand is fine. Um, but who really knows? Um, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I mean, 
Lakers looked really well. You guys talked about you know, the the or uh, Hachimura Reeves combination. Um, you know they had four players in score twenty points. Uh, LeBron had twenty one. AD had twenty two. Uh, Russell was close. He had 19. Russell had a great game too. Plus minus was plus 20. So um, wasn't a huge detriment to their defense, which I thought, you know, they would kind of tear him apart a little bit as we saw in the Wolves and and so many of his other teams that he's played on. But, um, you know, Vanderbilt had his moments too. Um, But I, I think going forward, you really have to wonder, especially if Ja doesn't play, like, can you really count on Jaron Jackson Jr. to put up 30 points every single game if Jaw is out? Personally, I don't think you can. Um, I think 30, 31 is amazing from him tonight. You know, he had two blocks in the first half, didn't have a single block in the second half, so a little bit worried on, you know, maybe the second half he was just focusing on a little bit more on offense with Jaw being injured, but... Um, you're going to need a lot more players to step up if even Memphis wants to make this a series. Because I, I even believe, like, with John Morant, that the Lakers still end up winning this series. I, I just think the bench for the Lakers is a lot better with Hachimura. I like Troy Brown. Dennis Schroeder was good on defense. Uh, you can mix in Malik Beasley, too, for him if you need some more scoring, uh, especially in... You know, this series, which saw them put up, what, 240 points combined. So it's, I, I don't think every game's going to be that high scoring, but um, you're going to need to find other ways to score the ball. And for Memphis, it's going to be huge, um, especially in this game, too, because you can't fall down two games uh, against the Lakers, especially two games at home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think Ja. Um being in would necessarily like make the Grizzlies win for sure. I just think if he's out, I think they'll lose for sure. Um, just because I don't think they have enough firepower without Jaw to overcome uh, the Lakers, who have. I mean, especially when guys step off the bench like that. But yeah, it's we're gonna have to see how that injury ends up turning out. I mean, yeah, we we even saw a, a decent game out of D'Angelo Russell. I I wasn't expecting much out of him, but we, I mean, he put up, he still put up 19 points, seven assists, seven of 17. Maybe wasn't the best shooting performance, but I mean, he did he did what he was supposed to, and yeah, I think it came down to, to bench points overall. And it's, yeah, it's going to be a scary thing to see uh, L.A. kind of move on through this series. I I, I think definitely with uh, John Morant, if, if he's going to be questionable, we might not see the best uh, Memphis Grizzlies up against these uh, L.A. Lakers. Yeah, I mean, you know, we won't talk about too much more um, on this game, but I might do a separate podcast coming out on Tuesday or Wednesday um, depending on how the schedule is looking but I might just do a solo pod and uh, if you guys want to comment below on, on games you want me to talk about or, or some some things you guys want me to talk about I can definitely do that um, but I'll probably go into a little bit more detail on this game but the next game um, right after that Lakers-Grizzlies game was you know probably the most surprising game in this first round so far now, granted, we did see Giannis uh, go out with a tailbone injury. Uh, don't know how serious. I mean, it looked pretty serious after that fall. Um, 
you know, he tried to come back. I think he played like maybe one or two minutes, didn't feel right, didn't look right. Ended up going back to the locker room. So Adam just told me the x-rays came back clear. So good news for, for Bucks fans and for Giannis. But, you know, it's we're going to have to wait till game two to kind of see how, how he looks. And it's going to be a pivotal game too because just like Memphis can't go down 2-0 to the Lakers, I mean, Bucks can't go down 2-0 to a Heat team that, um, you know, doesn't play like a normal eight seed. Uh, I think they play way better than what their their overall uh, record actually is. But um, what was what was your guys' just takeaway from this from this Bucks Miami Heat game? Discrediting you know the whole Giannis factor that I just went over. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously it's tough to ignore Giannis just because I mean he's top three in MVP um, so he obviously makes a huge difference but I think uh, if he doesn't play going forward I mean they're going to have to really rely on Chris Middleton um, who had a great game today um, but also Drew Holiday's got to play better um, if they're going to um, continue to do well without Giannis um, he's 6 for 18 today 2 for 9 uh, he did have 16 assists though so that was pretty incredible um Honestly, probably the biggest person that didn't play well today was Brooke Lopez. Um, he's 0 for 3 from 3, 4 for 7 from the field, only 10 points. Um, you need a little bit more out of him if Giannis is going to be out. Um, I, I thought defensively he, he looked all right, though. He had three blocks, but um, he was definitely causing a little bit of issues for Jimmy Butler and, and the Heat, even though Jimmy did go off for 35 points and shot 15 of 27. But Yeah, um, it's more just scoring-wise. I mean, when you're missing 30 points from Giannis, they need to come somewhere. Um, and obviously, Bobby Porce had a good game today. He had 21 points, so that made up for a little bit. I mean, really, it was just the abysmal shoot. Th- three-point shooting. I mean, Jay Crowder is 0 for 4 from 3. Portis is 0 from 5. Uh, Lopez is 0 of 3. Um, they're going to have to shoot better from the from the 3 if they're going to move on. Um, they shot 24%, um, which isn't, I mean, wouldn't be too bad if, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, pre- yeah, it's pretty it's not bad. Too good. But, um, it, it really hurts when you don't have Giannis because uh, Giannis is part of why they get so many good looks from 3. Um, so they have to make some adjustments. It's tough to adjust on the fly during the game. Um, I think they'll come out with a better game plan if he's not going to be in there. Um, but I mean, it was a great game by the Heat. Like this, this has looked like playoff Jimmy here in this game. Thirty-five points, eleven assists, five boards, three steals. I mean, what a game from Jimmy! And then also like Bam played terrible in those playing games, but in this in this game, I mean. He, well, I mean, first half, he wasn't very good at all. Second half is when um, he started to heat up a little bit. They got him in the mid-range. He was missing a lot of shots in that in that first yeah. and second quarter that were, you know, Brooke Lopez was defending him, and, well, and uh, it looked like... Still out there for a quarter. Right, right. So, I, I mean, Milwaukee, I think, did a really good job in that first half, kind of guarding Bam at a bio, and it looked like Bam was going to turn into the type of player in that first playing game against Atlanta, but... Um, coming out of that second half, it, it looked like he had a fire up his you-know-what, but he he definitely looked better, definitely played better in that second half and a uh, huge part in why they won that won this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, 
Oh, and we haven't even mentioned yet either, I don't think, but Tyler Hero broke his uh, hand in this game. Um, so that's a big loss for them. Um, it says he had missed four or six weeks, so um, if you're a betting man, that probably means he's out for the year unless you think the Heat are going to the finals, um, which I do not. Yeah, I think it just came out. Tyler Hero's out four to six weeks, so that's that's pretty much out for the <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. But, yeah, I think I, I, they're just going to have to come up with the other scoring um, apart from because, I mean, Hero's a 20-plus point point-per-game score, so they're going to need uh, people like Caleb to step up. He stepped up in this game. He had 18 points, 4 for 7 from 3. Um, that's nice to see out of him. Um, but really, I mean, their bench is pretty thin. Like, Kyle Lowry had that that knee injury, um, so he, he didn't even start in this game. He, he played 19 minutes, but he only had 2 points. Um, they played Duncan Robinson for 6 minutes. He's probably going to have to play a little bit more going forward here. Um, Caleb Martin played pretty good, but yeah, I mean, if the, the Heat are going to keep it up, they're going to need uh, big time games out of there's two stars, Butler and Adebayo, if they're going to move on in this series, I think. Yeah, this this is definitely going to be more of a uh, tougher series to uh, kind of keep track of because if Giannis is out for an extended period of time, things are going to sway more towards Miami. But then again, Miami also lost one of their big three in uh, Tyler Hero. And that's that's pretty big. I mean, when it comes down to playoff basketball, you want your stars to be playing as much as possible. So I, it's going to be it's going to be a little um, weary to see where the Bucks kind of slide in this series. If Giannis plays, I think they still win. But if if Giannis is out for like probably a couple more games, I I see the Heat actually probably taking this series because like like Matt said, playoff Jimmy he comes to play. I mean, if he can put up 35, almost triple double, play phenomenal defense, I think I think the Bucks have a series. Yeah, I personally I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm. Mean, if Giannis comes back in this series, even if they're down two games, three games, I'm still betting with Milwaukee. I just think, you know, you know, you said Jimmy had a great game. He did have a great game, but does he have that great game when Giannis is in the game? I, I don't know if he gets the cup the same way if Giannis is guarding him or um, they're making things a little bit more difficult. Um, but that's that's the big question is, you know, is Giannis going to come back? Um, it's looking like it's hopeful, but... We also got to see how he looks on the court as well and how he feels. But for Miami, you know, losing Tyler Hero, like you guys said, is a huge loss. You're going to have to look for players like Cody Martin, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson even, who got some playing time. Um, six minutes, but it might get bumped up a little bit with Hero out. Um, so you're going to have to see those players. But the one guy I just wanted to talk about, I mentioned it a little bit early in the podcast, was uh, Kevin Love. I thought Kevin Love... Looked phenomenal in this game. Uh, two to three offensive charges that he drew. Could have been even more, I, I thought. Um, 18 points, plus five, plus minus. Uh, brought in eight boards for you. Um, just that good veteran presence that, you know, Miami team has tons of players on their team that, that know what to do in, in playoff basketball. Whether it's Jimmy, Bam, Kyle Lowry, um, you know, most of the starting lineup has been in a, in a finals before. So, 
to have that experience against a team like Milwaukee who has that same experience, it's definitely going to make it a little bit tougher than, you know, a Boston series against Atlanta. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep you guys up to date on Giannis. And, and uh, I believe their next game is going to be on, is it Tuesday? No, it's not Tuesday. I believe it's Wednesday. So it gives a little bit of rest for Giannis to maybe um, come back for that game too. But we'll keep you guys updated. Um, as we're going into uh, this Clippers-Phoenix game, as we're watching right now, 5.30 left in the game. Clippers up one. Uh, this would be a huge victory for Clippers. Phoenix, I, I feel like they got to win this this first game, especially just to put some doubt in the Clippers. Um, but uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of just watch this game and enjoy it. But uh, that's going to conclude the podcast for us today. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to like and follow. Send us some comments. Um, um, to our Gmail account at shotside at gmail.com. We got some, I think Adam's going to have a TikTok coming out soon on his all-time favorite lineup. Not necessarily the best lineup, but just his all-time favorite. And then after that, I believe Matt will as well. So um, really looking forward to that on TikTok. We'll also, like I said, we'll post our uh, playoff brackets on our Facebook and Instagram page, probably TikTok as well. So check it out on there. Um, com- feel, feel free to roast us, comment on it. Uh, we like seeing you guys' comments, but um, until next time, peace out. Peace. <laughs>